Are you ready for the quantum age? Humanity's next step in evolution? Dream Vision 7 Radio Network invites you to the extraordinary platform of evolutionary voices for the quantum age. Let's explore. Learn more about this upcoming age where we bridge science with spirituality. Where potentiality meets reality. Where we take compassion into action. Our trailblazers and visionaries will ask the whys, the what ifs, while igniting continuous possibility. Come along with us into an age beyond what we know today, where we can grow together in unity consciousness. Experience evolutionary voices for the quantum age, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern on DreamVision7Radio.com. Welcome to What's in Your Way is the Way with your host, Mary O'Malley, inviting you to open to the radical notion that in your life, whatever you perceive to be in your way is the way. In other words, your challenges, whether they be relationships, compulsions, finances, or illness, come with gifts embedded in them that can bring healing and allow you to experience the joy of being fully alive. Mary is a counselor, awakening mentor, inspirational speaker, and the author of What's in the Way is the Way, the gift of our compulsions, belonging to life, and the magical forest of aliveness. What's in Your Way is the Way with Mary O'Malley is part of Evolutionary Voices for the Quantum Age. Heard Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern on the Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Welcome to What's in Your Way is the way. And I am your host, Mary O'Malley. And today we are exploring the great healer of attention. I am inviting you into the one of the most powerful healing tools you will ever have on your journey back into a trust-filled connection with yourself and with life. And that tool is your ability to pay attention. It is truly remarkable how much frustration can be avoided and how much peace and joy come from simply paying attention. Right now, both around you and inside of you, the greatest show on earth is happening, and yet you rarely actually pay attention to it. Well, maybe for a split second, you're here, you smell newly mown grass, or you hear the sound of a bird, or you see a beautiful sunset, but then your attention slips back into the thoughts about the experience. If you doubt this, really see something in the space you are in. See it as if you have never been on this planet before. See its color, its shape, the play of light. How long did you keep your attention on that object? If you are like most people, it's just a matter of seconds before your attention goes back into thinking about life. William James, considered to be the father of American psychology, once said, The education of attention would be an education par excellence. But most of us haven't been educated about how to use the phenomenal tool of our attention, and thus, our muscle of attention is weak following thoughts wherever they go. One of the greatest gifts you can give to yourself is to strengthen the muscle of your attention 
What does that look like? You choose a focus, such as the sounds around you, the rising and falling of your breath, or the multifaceted experience of your morning cup of coffee. Then you close your eyes and bring your attention to whatever you have chosen as a focus, holding the intention to experience it as fully as you can. If you do this, you will discover fairly quickly that your attention will go right back up into your head. The key is not to be dismayed about this. When you were first born, you didn't think about life. You just experienced it. So your attention was fully here. But as you grew up, more and more thoughts filled up your head until you began to believe, like most people do, that you are your thoughts and that they are reality. So your attention follows them wherever they go. If they say you're sad, you think you're sad. If they say you're mad, you think you're mad. I'm not putting thought down. It only took the universe 13.6 billion years to figure out how to create thought. And it is a necessary and marvelous tool for maneuvering through life. But what we all deeply long for is the experience of being fully alive. And as long as we are thinking about life, we can't be present for life. As Joseph Campbell, the beloved author and professor, once said, people say what we're all seeking is a meaning for life. I don't think that's what we're really seeking. I think that what we are seeking is an experience of being alive so that our life experiences on the purely physical plane will have resonances with our own innermost being and reality so that we actually feel the rapture of being alive. Oh, thank you, Joseph. He says, what we're seeking is an experience of being alive, so that our life experiences on the purely physical plane will have resonances in our very innermost being and reality, so we actually feel the rapture of being alive. Are you interested in discovering how to use thought rather than being lost in it? As Alan Watts, the wonderful Zen philosopher, once said, no matter how many times you say the word water, it will never be wet. Are you interested in discovering how to be present for life without laying a filter of thought over it? Are you interested in rediscovering the rapture of being alive? If you are, it is necessary to strengthen the muscle of your attention. For right now, for most of us, our muscle is weak, following thoughts wherever they go, believing they are speaking the truth. So take your finger and put it in the air in front of you. And just move it all around and, and move it like with your whole body. Just move and move and move and just follow, follow, follow. Your finger represents the 65,000 thoughts you have a day. Now, keep the finger moving, but notice something in front of you beyond your finger and really, really see it. It could be, you know, a picture on the wall or a flower. 
and then bring your attention back and follow the finger. Get lost in thought again. And then thought continues, but bring your attention back to something that doesn't need thought in order to exist. Right here in front of you. That is the best description I've ever given about what it is like to strengthen the muscle of your attention. How you strengthen it is by setting aside as little as five minutes a day to choose a focus, be as passionately present for it as you can, and then simply acknowledge when thought has grabbed your attention again by saying, thinking, thinking. Then you return your attention to your focus. You may only stay with your focus for a few seconds before thought grabs your attention again, but that's okay. For whenever you drift off into thought and then bring your attention back to your focus, you have strengthened the muscle of your attention. And every moment you strengthen it is a powerful moment of healing. Stephen Levine, my main mentor, said to me when I was complaining about being a part-time meditator, if you sit for an hour and bring your attention back to your focus one time, that is time well spent. After he said that, I became a daily meditator for the past 40 years because I finally let go of defining my meditations as good, oh, very focused, and bad, oh, mind wandering everywhere and my attention following it. I learned not to struggle with what was happening and instead meet whatever was here with curiosity and compassion. The joy of being able to unhook from the struggles in my mind and reconnect with the preciousness of life is indescribable. So now this is the carrot in front of the donkey talk. <laughs> I want to explore with you five powerful gifts that come through giving yourself a few minutes every day where you strengthen the muscle of your attention. Remember, consistency is much more important than the amount of time. The more you cultivate this, the more you will naturally spend more time in this spacious place of noticing when you're taken away, and then bringing your attention back. So the first gift I just alluded to, the clarity that comes when you can see what thought is doing rather than being caught in it. Go back to your finger. You know, move it all around and then move your attention to something in front of you. And the finger still keeps on moving. But then bring your attention back and don't follow your finger with your whole body. Just follow it with your eyes. That's the ability to see thought rather than being lost in it. And it is the difference between saying, oh my God, I'm so anxious and saying, oh, anxiety is here. In the first you're identifying as that thought. In the second, you are relating to it rather than from it. When I was first awakening, I was full of fear, cruel self-judgment, and helpless, hopeless despair. Therapy helped me to understand my feelings, but it didn't help me to unhook from them. 
I discovered as I strengthened the muscle of my attention and could see what my thoughts were doing rather than falling into them, I didn't have to take what my mind was saying so seriously. These very deep feelings still come at times for a visit, but because they tighten me most of the time, I can quickly see whatever my thoughts are thinking, unhook from them, and bring my attention back to this living moment. The second gift that comes when you strengthen the muscle of your attention is you come home to your body and the wisdom and the intelligence that is always there. Rather than living in a head on top of your body that is an object in your mind, it's just a vehicle to allow you to move through life. That's how most people experience their body. It instead becomes your home. As you begin to live in your body, you recognize that it will tell you the truth much more clearly than your mind will. But most importantly, living in your body allows you to recognize the wisdom of your heart. And when you are struggling, it can finally get a word in edgewise. And with all of our longings for more things, uh, better experiences, uh, different partners, greater health, one of the core things we long for is to live from the wisdom of our hearts. As the little prince says, it is with the heart that one sees rightly. Your heart is not just the simple pump we used to think it was. Science now recognizes it as a highly complex organism with its nervous system being called the heart brain. Your intelligent heart can learn, remember, and make functional decisions independent of your brain. If you want to know more about this, listen to my radio show, Your Amazing Wonderful Heart. It aired on March 25th. 21 and now is available at any time on my page at Dream Visions Radio by clicking the on demand button. Instead of tapping into the wisdom of our hearts, we use our minds as our guide, but it is dualistic in nature. It likes this, but it doesn't like that. It thinks this is good, that is bad, this is right, that is wrong. I am better than you. You are less than me. It is always setting up what it likes against what it doesn't like. And that is the endless game of struggle we all live in when we are caught in our minds. But our heart is not dualistic. It includes rather than excludes. It meets you and all the world with spacious acceptance, kindness, compassion, and equanimity. For in the heart brain, there is no them and us. There's no bad and wrong. The heart knows we're all perfectly imperfect, and the heart knows we all belong to the same family. It is essential to know that living from your heart, you don't become a wimp sitting down by the side of the road and letting life roll over you. The exact opposite is true. You say yes when yes is appropriate, and you say no when that is called for. You become courageous and empowered, 
living from your truth rather than trying to be what you think you should be. There is no accident that the root word of courage is the Latin word cur, which means heart. When I was first awakening, there were so many layers of armoring around my heart that I couldn't even access one compassionate thought about myself. But slowly, with the curiosity of my focused attention, I was able to see and unhook from all the cruel judgments I took on when I was very young. Take shame, for example. I was so ashamed of myself that I tried to kill myself three times because I didn't believe I deserved to live. I also felt that I was an utter failure, even at suicide. The more I could see shame for what it was, just a story I took on when I was young, huge chunks of armoring around my heart fell away, and then I could hear its wisdom. I was not a messed up, defective, and hopeless human being. Instead, I was a courageous soul who took on many of the beliefs that most people do, such as life is not trustable, I'm not okay as I am, the only safety comes from trying to be in control. I got lost in them, almost died because of them, and then slowly brought them all home to my heart. Your mind has all sorts of lists about what is okay and not okay about you. It is a liking and disliking machine. All the while you're listening to its ongoing commentary, you are a unique and absolutely necessary expression of life that has shown up out of mystery because you have a part to play in the grand unfolding. And all the while your mind is comparing and judging you, your heart is saying, Psst! Hey, yoo-hoo! Listen to me. I am the truth. You are a mix of dark and light and are absolutely okay, exactly as you are. It is such a joy to know I am perfectly imperfect and am okay exactly as I am. And because of that, I can meet others, even if they're in the deep throes of shame with my heart. I can hold the space of their perfection, even when they haven't yet learned how to do that for themselves. That is the joy that comes from quieting your mind enough so your heart can get a word in edgewise. I can also hold this heart space for the world, for the world desperately needs more awakened human hearts. The third gift that comes from strengthening the muscle of your attention is what Joseph Campbell calls the rapture of being alive. You and I live in an astoundingly magical and extraordinarily miraculous world. Oh my God, the first time that I went snorkeling in Hawaii, 
I was stunned. I mean, you'd think a New York designer came under the water and created all these different fish. No, they put the New York designers to shame. My heart was so full, I didn't want to come out of the water. The kids and I, when they were growing up, I had a a book that showed all sorts of different things, everything from chlorine to a fly's eye in magnifying it. And we used to uh, go through the book and, uh, and I would cover over the title and we would try to guess what it was. I was trying to show my children the absolute magical mystery of life. And we also had a book that showed uh, a variety of snowflakes. And when they learned that no two snowflakes, I mean, this is just mind boggling when you think about all the, it's probably a a number uh, of snowflakes that have fallen on this planet over the eons. It, it, It isn't even a number, you know, it's too big to, to be contained within a number. And yet every single, one was different. Wow. I live under a 158-year-old maple tree, and every year she makes hundreds of thousands of leaves and seeds. Such magic. I also have a tree in a local park that I'm madly in love with, It is very old, and when I lay down by her trunk and look up into her branches, I see the most magical mandala. Also, no two sunsets are ever the same. I try to walk every day at Heritage Park close to sunset. It's on the bluff above Lake Washington and has a vast view across to Seattle and onto the Olympic Mountains. A few days ago, with the sky ablaze with color, a man stopped me and expressed his absolute awe at the beauty of the sky. We talked for a while, sharing heart to heart the absolute majesty of life. And I thought this man was a stranger. As Helen Keller once said, the best and most beautiful things in the world cannot be seen or even touched. They must be felt with the heart. That night that I had met him in the park, I came across a poem by somebody I had never heard of before, Steve Garnas Holmes. And the name of his poem is Transfiguration. It began as ordinarily as a brilliant sunrise ought to. Huge, lazy salmon swimming through the trees, flaming on the horizon. The eyebrows of the eastern sky raised as if it was about to say something magnificent. And then the flamboyant sun, everything on fire with flushed cheeks, everything a gleaming treasure. You just wanted to take its face in your hands and kiss it 
and then a cloud. And it went suddenly gray. Gold and peach drained into shabby bits and shadows. The poorly erased side of a barn. The scumbled trunks of trees. The colors of dead grass and sidewalks. And that, that was the miracle. All that light pressed into dull things. All that glory shrunk down into ordinariness. All of heaven hidden in earth. Something vast contained in what I now behold. Moment by moment, the hand the table, the door, the person at the door. Look around you. Everywhere you look is the extraordinary ordinary. As as he said in the poem, something vast is contained even when it's dull. Something vast, it, it's, it's the miracle of life in contained in what we think of as the ordinary, but really, truly is the extraordinary. If you are still stuck in ordinariness, allow in the truth that all of this has come out of stardust. Our earth is made up of atoms that were once a part of a star, and when stars supernova, they give forth into space all the building blocks of our planet. I have a wonderful pond in my yard that this community made, and we knew nothing about creating ponds. And uh, uh, and we got together for a weekend and then took nine months to get the pond to be completed. But it's an amazing pond that uh, I've had pond people that have built other ponds come and say, wow, this is an amazing pond. And when we dedicated the pond, uh, I asked people to bring a rock. And I thought, you know, just bring you know, a rock you pick up. And people brought, oh, my God, so many beautiful rocks. And one of them was a rock that said, that had carved onto it, everything is made out of recycled stardust. And that includes you. What is the amazing intelligence that took Stardust and created everything you see, including the DNA molecule? Let this in. Let your mind be blown. Wake up out of your deep sleep and become alive and recognize that everything in the world is alive and everything is expressing the light it came from. Now, look out a window. All of nature is a love affair with the sun. One of my favorite Rumi poems, see if I can remember it, um... Even after all these years, 
the sun doesn't say to the earth, you owe me. Look what a love like that can do. It lights up the whole sky. (laughs) And actually, it lights up all of life because all of life is a love affair with the sun. I met that man again at the park, and one of the things I shared with him was it takes 100,000 years for a particle of life to make its way from the center of the sun to its periphery, and then it takes eight minutes to contact Earth as the photons of light are showering all over the earth. And so we both closed our eyes and we just allowed in the truth that life and the sun was loving us with light. So if this calls to you to unhook from the trap of ordinariness, dance in the rain, hug someone you don't know, Get a magnifying glass and look at leaves and rocks, a ladybug. Lie under a tree. Lie down on the earth on a partly cloudy day and watch the dance of clouds like you did when you were young. Lift yourself up out of your narrow focus and be willing to see if you're willing to do this for at least a moment or two a day. You can also get out of town and find a patch of dark sky and be stunned by the grandeur of the universe. You can see around 10,000 stars on a clear night. But there are more stars than there are grains of sand on every beach of the earth. That's another pause for a moment fact and let it in. There are more stars on every beach that includes rivers, ponds, lakes, seas, oceans. There are more stars than there are grains of sand on every beach of the earth. Or give yourself the gift of going to Great Basin National Park in Nevada or Death Valley in California. They're both known as dark sky places. And go there during the Perseid meteor shower. It it technically goes from mid-July to almost the end of August, but the peak is August 12th, usually somewhere around there. And go out and find a patch of dark sky and just be stunned, be moved. Once I backpacked up to the 8,500 foot level of Mount Rainier during Perseid and camped at a spot where I could see both the sunrise and the sunset. And that was where, uh, I've talked about this before in other shows, I finally saw that there was no such thing as a sunset and a sunrise. That I experienced myself on a planet that was rotating 24,000 miles an hour. And as it turned away from the sun, it looked like the sun was setting. And as it turned towards the sun in the morning, it looked like it was rising. But that night, I, I, I was there for the so-called sunset. 
and then I settled into my sleeping bag, cozy and warm, and I had very little sleep that night because the light show of stars was so moving at times, I cried. We are like sleeping beauty. We have fallen asleep. We pricked our finger on the spindle. And yet, the prince is coming to us, or the princess or whatever is kissing us awake so that we can see all the awesome gift of life and what a magical dance we are a part of. So the fourth gift you receive when you um, begin to strengthen the muscle of your attention, I'm going to talk about something your mind doesn't like and would never agree to. And that is the more you use your attention to see through the clouds of your mind, the more you begin to see how absolutely intelligent it all is. And that something much smarter than you is in charge. This scares our mind, for it believes it is the one in charge and is terrified of letting go of the illusion of control. As you learn how to let go, or as Pema Chodron says, enlightenment is relaxing into life. You discover that whatever that is that breathes you, that heals the cuts on your skin and keeps the planets spinning as they do, is in charge. You also see that you are not alone. You have never been alone, and you never will be. And not only are you not alone, you are loved every step of the way. Because your mind is afraid of this, I want to read you some quotes from my yes file. It's a file that I've gathered over decades, and, and it has quotes from everybody from Eckhart Tolle to, to Buddha to Eleanor Roosevelt to Jack Hornfield to Thomas Edison. And they're all saying basically the same thing. Life is trustable. It's not always likable, but it is trustable. You took birth here because you had certain work to do that involved the suffering you do, the kind of situations you find yourself in. This is your curriculum. It is not an error. Where you are now with all your neuroses, all your problems, you're sitting in just the right place. Nobody made an error. It includes even the if-onlys. It's all perfect. Live life fully and richly as a partner with God, and don't be afraid of the next thing. Go toward it with openness and love, not with forbidding. Ram Dass Accept, then act. Whatever the present moment contains, accept it as if you have chosen it. Always work with it, not against it. Make it your friend and ally, not your enemy. This will miraculously transform your whole life. 
Eckhart Tolle. When Reggie Ray asked his teacher, Trumpa Rinpoche, what was the most important thing in awakening, he said, trust. Reggie then asked, trust what? And Trumpa responded, trust what you are experiencing. For a seed to achieve its greatest expression, it must come simply undone. The shell cracks, its insides come out, and everything changes. To someone who doesn't understand growth, it would look like complete destruction. Cynthia Osole If God said, Rumi, pay homage to everything that has helped you enter my arms, there would not be one experience of my life, not one thought, not one feeling, nor any act I would not bow to. Rumi Know and silently respect the perfection of everyone and everything in every situation, especially when it's not at all apparent. Mary O'Malley We imagine we must force results, must plow a path to freedom, rather than discovering the ground beneath our feet. By taking a step at a time, in trusting the moment, we find that a step fully taken leads effortlessly to the next. By fully participating in this moment, the next moment takes care of itself. So we could really say that the journey of awakening is a journey of seeing through the clouds in your mind, seeing it with a wise heart. So you can relax into life, knowing your life is for you. Uh, one of the quotes I didn't read was by Byron Katie. Uh, let's see if I can remember it. Life is simple. It doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. It always happens in the exact right time and in the exact right way. So I invite you just to notice what your mind is doing when you hear these quotes, because this is, the mind just desperately feels that if it really relaxes and opens to the living process, that, you know, something bad will happen or nothing will happen. But those are not true. When we relax, we literally come home and we partner with the light and love at the heart of life. So that leads us to the fifth gift of uh, cultivating the, the strengthening of your uh, muscle of attention. And we'll just briefly touch on this as I did a radio show on this called The Banquet of Love, which is now available through the on-demand button on my Dream Visions radio page. The best way I describe this fifth is... Love is everywhere. And Evan Alexander spoke to this so beautifully. 
he was the neurosurgeon who was in a seven-day coma from spinal meningitis and who wrote the bestseller uh, about it called Proof of Heaven. And this is what he said after he woke up from the coma. Love is without a doubt the basis of everything. This is the reality of realities, the incomprehensibly glorious truth of truth that lives and breathes at the core of everything that exists or ever will exist. And no remotely accurate understanding of who and what we are can be achieved by anyone who does not know it and embody it in all their actions. And I want to read the first part of that quote again, because this is what life is asking us to embody. Love is without a doubt the basis of everything. Just let that in. Everything, every atom, every molecule, every cell, every rock, every cloud, every leaf, every human being. And then he goes on to say, this is the reality of all realities, the incomprehensibly glorious truth of truth that lives and breathes at the core of everything that exists or ever will exist. Let this in. All of life is an expression of this love that animates everything and merging with the love at the heart of life is coming home. As author Andrew Harvey said, the supreme dignity available to humanity is to be the companion of God at the banquet of love. This is the most dazzling and optimistic vision of what human beings essentially are. Thank you, Andrew. And in my experience, it is the truth. And our our whole life journey is a journey to merging and partnering with the truth at the heart of life. So we've explored five gifts to see through the clouds in your mind, to connect more deeply with life in this present moment, to come home to your body and your wise heart, to rediscover how intelligent life is, that it is all for you, and to get glimpses of the love at the heart of life you start to comprehend that there are two entirely different things happening here. There's life, and then there is your story about it. And in all of your longings, what you deeply and truly long for is an intimate and immediate connection with life so you can know what Joseph is calling the rapture of being alive. Will we be able to arrive at this place and stay there all the time? No. You know, awakening is a journey of opening and closing, of remembering and forgetting. 
but just drops of pure connection with life. Those moments where you see through the struggles in your mind and you are just simply here, those moments not only are phenomenally healing for you, but also for our planet. So with that in mind, would you be willing to give yourself the gift of five minutes a day? Will you sit quietly and bring your attention back to your focus, whether it's your breath, the sounds around you, uh, the taste of your morning bagel? It's so important if you choose to give yourself this gift. Don't make it a struggle between your thoughts and being present. For most of your life, your attention has followed thoughts wherever they go. So your attention will drift back into thinking, but don't judge that. Just simply bring your attention back to your focus. And every time you do, you will be strengthening your muscle of attention. Remember what Stephen said to me, if I sit for an hour and bring my attention back to my focus one time, that is time well spent. Why is that? Because that is a moment of consciousness. That is a moment of unhooking from your stories about life. So you can be fully here for life. And if your mind is resistant to sitting, you can do the same thing with walking, letting your focus maybe be the feeling of your feet meeting the ground or the experience of your legs as you walk. When I used to sit with Jack Cornfield down in the high mountain desert of California before Spirit Rock was created, uh, we would get up very early in the morning and then all day long we would sit for 45 minutes and, and then go outside and walk for 45 minutes. And, and this was just fascinating because sometimes with walking, I would get really bored, but then all of a sudden I would connect with this miracle of walking and, everything it took in my leg in order to move through space. And sometimes I would just notice the the bottom of my foot and the lifting of it. and Or maybe then I would focus on my knee and all that it was doing, or maybe my thighs. And it just was a wonderful way to let go of the world of struggle and just be present for life. And you can do this while you're running. You can do this with Tai Chi, Qigong, yoga. Uh, all it is, no matter what, you can do it washing the dishes. All you're doing is bringing your attention back to the immediacy of life. And when you get caught in the stream of thought again, not to judge that, but just acknowledge it and come back. And if you're still not willing to gift yourself with five minutes a day because the mind is so resistant, it just, it's like a dictator. You know, it's gotten the power, you know, and it really wants to be in charge of you. And oh my God, it's such a horrible dictator. I mean, all dictators create, oh, huge suffering. And so does our mind. But if you are still resistant, ask yourself if you are willing to sit for five minutes a day for all the children that come after you. For as you see the clouds in your mind, they don't have to get as caught as you 
And I did. And if there is still resistance, because boy, our minds can be very resistant at times, just give the resistant one a name. It's got to be a nice name, you know, like Petunia or I love Mrs. McGillicuddy, you know, something along that line. So that when resistance comes, rather than just following it down the rabbit hole, you at least have a moment where you acknowledge it and say, I see you resistance. Because if you try to force resistance into doing something, it will backfire on you. But as you create a relationship with it by naming it and acknowledging it's just bought into the illusion that you have to stay and struggle in order to feel safe, then slowly and surely, that resistance will step aside. And you, giving yourself the gift of a few minutes every day of strengthening the muscle of your tension, will become a part of the healing of our planet. This is a time of evolutionary opportunity. It looks like a breakdown time, and it is. It's a breaking down of the old kind of mind. You know, I've said before that, you know, it was the Vietnam War is the first time that we saw images, actual images of war. You know, we'd seen pictures, but not videos. And we began, the glory of war began to lose its shine. And then now we fast forward to the war in the Middle East and we can see that we can no longer take care of ourselves through war. We are living on a tiny, tiny jewel of a planet and we're all connected again through technology now. And so we're seeing that we need to grow up as human beings and we need to communicate and we need to care and we need to listen. And so be willing to become a part of the healing of our planet for it desperately, as I said earlier, needs more awake human hearts. Thank you for being willing to be a part of the healing because it's a breakdown time, but it is also a breakthrough time. Namaste. Thank you for listening to this edition of What's in Your Way is the Way with your host, Mary O'Malley. You can access Mary's offerings on her websites, maryomalley.com and whatsintheway.com. Join Mary next time to experience the peace and joy that is always with you on Evolutionary Voices for the Quantum Age. Heard Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern on the Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow.